This is your host, Big John. And I'm Phil the Engineer. And Phil the Engineer, that's right. Um, you know, Phil, get right into it. You know, last week we talked about the business repercussions of uh, Rona and yeah. uh, being able to stay at home, not being able to, having to stay at home, uh, the reactions from both, like, say, the Republicans and the Democrats, the president, the governors, the doctors. We, you know, we talked about that more serious stuff. But let me ask you this. It seems to me that a lot of people who are staying, are forced to stay home right now, typically don't stay home. Do you know what right. I mean? They, they're right. usually in their office eight, ten hours a day, and all of a sudden, they're locked in. So, you know, you've got the, you know, you've got the reality of saying like, well, well, I'm stuck somewhere after X number of years. Like, you know, if you're, if you're a kid that just graduated college and started work this year, it's not that big a deal for you. But like, I remember, for example, my dad um, worked every day of his life since he was 12. You know, at 12, he had to work during the occupation in Greece. Then he had to join the merchant Marines at 16 to earn a living. Ah. You know, then at, I think he was 20 when he jumped ship here in the U.S. You know, he wasn't, uh, he didn't set foot in New York more than three hours before he enlisted in the army and was sent to Korea. And ever since then, he's been working. So he never had a day off in his life since he was 12. Uh, when he finally retired, you know, he's like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to spend time with your mother. This is great, you know. But my mom had a different experience. She was just like, <laughs> you know, she was like, hey, John, you got to get your dad out of the house, man. I, I, there's a good chance I might stab him to death in his sleep or something. Because he was always underfoot, you know. Like, she was a stay-at-home wife, so all of a sudden, she's used to having five days a week where she's by herself for, for 10, 12 hours a day. You know, my father would leave at 8 in the morning. He'd probably come back around 6 at night. And now all of a sudden, she's got this, you know, 65, 67-year-old man underfoot. Who doesn't know how to handle himself? He was never home. You know, it's like they never interacted. It's almost like they were two strangers, to be honest with you. And yeah. they're running into each other. And all of a sudden, like, she's finding out she's annoyed by him. Like, everything he did annoyed her, you know, which, you know. So I got to myself, and I'm saying, even in my situation, right, I'm, I'm home now full time. My wife is an essential worker, so she's still going into the office, you know. So all of a sudden, I'm home. I, I'm with the kid, like, all day, you know, and I'm cooking and I'm, you know, cleaning and I'm calling, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, You're a woman. No, yeah, I'm, I'm a bitch all of a sudden. My world is turned upside down. Now, fortunately, my wife is, is pretty good at ignoring me. Yeah. You know, so for the most part, we're not, she's not the only one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, but she's handling it, and I'm handling it, you know. But I'm wondering, how, like, do you think that's a problem initially? You know, that we're all quarantined, and even though we may be quarantined with people we've been married to or shacked up with or just have known most of our lives, 
all of a sudden it's a different dynamic, man. You've got to be with them without a break for the most part. You know, yeah. it's like, how do you think people are handling it? What do you, what do you see? I mean, what's your case? Well, I mean, what's going on, man? I think it depends on where you are in the relationship, right? Ah. Uh, Newer relationship, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know. You're still, like, you're still tapping it. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But if you're like, you know, like me. 10 years or more, <laughs> and you're actually married. Yeah. It's like, oh, I hate the way you chew. You know, it's like it's got to be all that kind of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Word, yeah, word, yeah. Kind of thing. So it really depends. I think initially it's like, oh, you know, we're, the sh we're in shock that we have to do this. That, you know, the pandemic's all over. So, you know, you're just making the most of it. But then it just becomes like a, a like common now where you're just seeing each other. Yeah. Like I said, it depends on where you are in a relationship. Is it newer? Yeah. Is it older? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, which is worse? Yeah, you know, what did the president say? Sometimes the cure is worse than the disease. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is that we. <laughs> right Do you think the divorce rate's going to go up or no? Here's the thing. I think it's going to be extreme. It's either going to be more babies or it's going to be more divorces. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be both. It could be both. You're right. It'll yeah. probably be equal. You know, I didn't think of the baby angle. You know, to be honest with you, but um, yeah. Dude, man, but I got to tell you, even like the... Even We're going to have a lot of babies named Brona in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, even the even like your point, you know, it's a joke, but even the servicing of the booty has got to be a little restricted. You know, like it's okay if it's just the two of you. But what if you're a family? Like that kid isn't going to school for you to do anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that's a problem. Unless, unless like you sneak out to your car in the middle of the night or some shit. Right, right, right. Seat, like you were teenagers, you know. Yeah, what, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it's still a little, um, you know, dicey, so to speak. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I thought about that. I said, I wonder how people are getting along psychologically. You know, it's like, you know, it's got to be rough. It's got to be rough. Yeah, it's definitely got to be rough because, you know, we're like creatures of habit. Yeah. Uh, we're used to, like, if you're home by yourself and then, you know, you do, you do your thing and then all of a sudden someone's interrupting it. Yeah. Not cool. Not cool. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It really depends. I think people, though, they'll adapt because at the heart of it, you know, obviously you love the person that you're, you're with. Right. So, like, you just understand. I think it's just uh, it depends on the personality, too. Right, right. You know what I mean? So, so okay. So, let me, get, let me ask you this, though. So, having said the fact that neither one of us has turned into a killer because we're cooped up with <laughs> significant others right now, having yeah. said that, I'm sure you're like me, right? You get a lot of work done. You get you know a couple of hours worth of stuff done, um, but then you've got a lot of downtime, right? Like for the most part, what are you going to do? You go out for a walk. You go out for a car ride or something. For the most part, though, you're finding yourself. If you're like me, first of all, I was. I'm pretty much an insomniac to begin with. The fact that I'm not physically doing as much as I used to means that I'm probably sleeping even less because I can't fall asleep you know what I mean right. so aside from doing a little bit more work project wise um, I end up consuming a lot of media you would think people who do podcasts and videos and shit spend all day watching videos or watching TV or whatever and some of us do I don't like but now I'm forced to consume shit right um, and I gotta tell you most of the stuff is crap <laughs> I, I, you look, man. I'll be honest. Like, um, I'm an Amazon Prime uh, subscriber. Yeah. So, uh, and also because they, <laughs> that's where my one and only 
TV series got published. It was Amazon. Uh, hey. so go look up Net News if you're out there. Go look up Net hey. News. Yeah. But aside from that, um, I used to be a Netflix subscriber. I canceled that when I saw everything that I thought was worth seeing. So I started it up again. I said, okay, we're all locked in. Let's start up with the Netflix, right? So the first thing I saw was The Irishman. What a piece of shit movie. <laughs> three, three, and, oh, is it three and a half hours long? Three yeah, hours, three? Hours long. What the fuck? I mean, I'm not going to say it was horrible because it had some great actors in it. Of course. But what was the point of the story? Did you see it? Like, what? what's up with that? Oh, hell no. Three and a half hours? I don't have that much time to devote. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I could get intermission, maybe. But I'm the type of person, I got to see something from beginning to end. Yeah. If I can't see beginning to end, I'm not going to invest any time. So three hours, I, I'll spoil it for you. It was three hours where you got done and you said, I, I, what was the point? Yeah. What was the point? And the freaky effects to make De Niro and Pesci and all these people look younger and older. Yeah. Um, it's nuts. It's nuts. You can't really... Um, I, it was horrible. I just can't explain how, bad, how disappointed I was that Scorsese produced this piece of shit. Like, you know, the guy who produced Gangs of New York and, and uh, right. uh, what was it, The Departed and, and all that, you know. Like, I was going to say, it's like, how can you make a movie about gangsters? Scorsese's making a movie about gangsters. Right. The violence was like stuff you might see on network TV. Really? Yeah, in my opinion. You oh, know, it, was, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that thing. Then I'm looking for other stuff on Netflix. I think I caught Avengers um, Infinity War. Right. Uh, because I hadn't, I, I haven't seen Infinity War and uh, Endgame yet. So okay. I saw Infinity War. And I was like, all right, that was pretty cool. Being a comics guy, I didn't think it was that true to the books, but right, right. it was good enough for what it was, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for the most part, I'm like, look at all these fucking movies that eat my balls. They're horrible. Like, <laughs> and I'm not a movie theater guy. I haven't been to a theater in God knows how long. You know, I'm a theater guy for sure. Yeah, I'm not a theater guy. I hate going to the theater because I always get into fights. I used to get into fights when I went to theaters. So, like, you know, there's always some... theater in the hood. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm from the Bronx. <laughs> no, because, like I, like, I grew up in there and whatever. The, the thing is, it's like you can't say anything because, <laughs> like, for example, you would always hear, like, you know, a person of color... <laughs> Don't stereotype, Don't stereotype, yo. No, no, hey, no. That's what it was, right? So they would talk to the screen, say, "Oh, don't do it, motherfucker," and it's just, I don't need the commentary. And then the minute you say something, oh, what? You, you the president of the United States? You own this theater? It's a you have country, motherfucker. And it's just like, oh my. So it's not even worth it, but. Yeah, I, I get no, but I love going to the theater regardless. Like now, as I've gotten older, I appreciate the commentary, and I'm like, oh shit, and I take part in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you get a little older. First of all, at this age, I'm not getting into any fights. You know right. what I mean? I'm just, I'm not, I'm not equipped for it when I'm when you're 55. You know, you're not gonna get into a fight with a bunch of teenagers and 20 year olds. You get your ass kicked, no matter how good you are. Right, right. Um, but you're right. Like, sometimes when you get older, the commentary, you know, like, I think I told you the best uh, for the folks that don't know, but I know I told you once off air, I said, the funniest thing in the movie theater I've ever seen, and that includes the movies, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I was watching Child's Play when it first came out, 
my friend and I decided to go to a theater in Harlem just to, you know, because what the fuck, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be annoyed, you might as well be annoyed by the best, you know. So we went to the theater in Harlem watching Child's Play. And there was one scene in the in the movie where the detective holds up a picture of some voodoo doctor and says, you know, we're looking for this guy or, you know, so then the, the scene changes and it's just the one shot of the picture. Yeah. And without missing a beat, somebody in the back gets up and screams, it's Cosby, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, but it was so perfectly timed because it was like, a, it was a high point in the movie. Yeah. The, 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 the crowd had finally gone silent because they were interested. And the cop goes something like, uh, you know, I'm looking for something to hold up. You know, he'll go like, and this, well, let me get the right thing here. He goes, and this man, and this is the man we're looking for. And perfect beat. One, two, it's Cosby. You know? <laughs> I, I, I was so laughing so hard with that because it was just, it wasn't even the joke. It was so much as it was perfectly timed to what was going on on the screen. Yeah, so my funny story, I guess. Yeah, I went to see the movie Juice. I don't know if you remember that movie. So I saw Juice in Co-op City. Like the, you know, Wait a second, just to clarify. You're talking Juice like the drink, not Juice like Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, Juice, J-U-I-C-E. There you gotcha. go. Yeah, so I went up to uh, Co-op City in the Bronx. And, oh. you know, the BX. Yeah, it's like one of those theaters where they like you know get the wand all over you, make sure you're not nice. bringing it in. So I had brought my friend Caucasian. Nice. Right, and this is back you know in the '90s. So you know he had the long hair, like you know Guns N' Roses and all this stuff, right? So he comes in with me metal jacket, you know MCs, right? And then we're walking down the the, the aisle, and someone goes, "Oh shit, it's John Bon Jovi." <laughs> And then he was just like, yo, I'm going to die. Like, no, I ain't going to die. They're just, they're just clowning you. Don't worry about it. Right. But, uh, yeah, so that was funny. And then he had never been to uh, an ethnic theater before. Nice. But, like, you know, during the movie, you know, they have a soundtrack. So they're playing all this, you know, hip-hop or whatever. And people would stand up and start dancing in the aisle and everything. And he was just, like, bugging up. Like, yo, where am I? I was like, well, you said you want to hang out. I want to see a movie. I, I felt that way when my friend uh, <clears throat> uh, from the channel, Judo Larry M, uh, for the first time. And I, I don't, and I was relatively old. I might have been 19 or 20. <clears throat> I had never been to a midnight showing of Rocky Horror. Oh, okay. I've, I've done like, I did like 20 times, man. I ain't going to lie to you, man. That's lame, but I did like 20 times. Because I wanted to get the, you know, yeah. oh, what you want to do? Whatever you want. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I remember my first experience with that was in Greenwich, in the Greenwich Village Theater. That's what, the only place they had it in the city. Yeah. So, you know, you go there and it's like all the freaks come out. You know? Oh, so man. Aside from the typical Mikes. Rocky Horror, you've got, like, first you walk in, they're wanding you, they're, they're patting you down. And I used to carry in those days. You know, I always had something on me, you know. You know, they're like, you'll get this back on the way out, you know, pull down my blade. You know, it's like, you'll get this on the way out, you know, no fucking stabbing anybody in the theater. You know, it's like, oh, shit, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, those, but for the most part, I think, literally, I'm not, I'm not bullshit. The last movie we saw in the theater, me and my wife, was 300. Jesus. And that one was the first movie we had seen at that time in, like, five years. Wow. Because it's Greek? <laughs> You know, I'm laughing, but 
but it may have been that we saw my big fat Greek wedding would have been <laughs> one before that. You know what I mean? So uh, I, that's the last movie we've been in the theater to. It's just so annoying. It's so, um, uh, what's the word I want to say? Inconvenient. You know, it's like yeah. you ha if you have a nice, you know, whatever, 75 inch flat screen or whatever, 60 inch flat screen, even a nice sound bar. What's the point? What's the point? Right. It's true. It's cleaner. You're not spending 50, 60 bucks going to the theater, you know, for two people. Yeah, yeah, so, I hate you. I hate you. So, anyway, but let me also ask you this Network TV, have you been watching any of that? Uh, no, see, I don't watch Network TV. Like, I've been watching a lot of Hulu, yeah. uh, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Feminine Power, let's go. Feminine, did you say Feminine Power or Feminine yeah. Products? Nah. <laughs> Are you using any Kotex there, Phil? No, no, no. I'm not using any Kotex. Oh, all right. Handmaiden's Tale, huh? Handmaiden's Tale, yeah. Oh, you're just a victim to the estrogen. Is that a word? There's too much. What I meant to say is there's too much estrogen floating around our entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Hey, did you use flowing on purpose? <laughs> yeah, no, there you go. All right. Subliminally, I guess I'm always making a joke. Yeah. But here's my point, man. First of all, and I know I don't want you lying to me. Let me see if I can do this right. I don't want you lying to me. But I know for a fact you fell in for the first tr feminist trap, which is you used to watch This Is Us, right, on NBC. Oh, uh, yeah, look, listen. I ain't going to lie to you, man. I've only seen the first season. Yeah. And I loved it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I loved it. No, I'll tell you why, man. Because I, I, just, I, I know. <laughs> Is that the reason why? Just come out. No, no, no. No. I, I, I like uh, I like visceral, like visceral things. So that made me feel oh fuck, like you know, like I I, I ain't lie. I cried every episode, man. Oh. I, I was crying oh. at some point. Sometimes I cried twice. But guess oh, what? shit. Guess what? Guess what? And you see me in person. Oh. Tell me to my face. You're a bitch. That I'm a bit. Tell me to my face. Tell me to my face. You're That's all bitch, I got. Yo. Come bring it. So let me let me understand this. It's not like your chick roped you into watching it with her. No, I was like, I'm the one who said, yo, this looks good. Let's watch it. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah. Dude, and you didn't even say no homo during that. Uh, that <laughs> my mind. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go full homo on this one. I don't care. <laughs> Man, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Shit, because the other, I'm telling you, man, NBC, I think it stands for the National Bitch Channel now. I think that's what it is. I'm telling you, man, they're trying to, they're trying to destroy uh, maleness in this, in this country. The, like, what was it, last week, my wife says to me, she goes, oh, come on, hang out with me in bed. We're going to watch a little TV together. You don't have to run off to your office downstairs or any of that shit. I said, ah, you know, I'll keep her happy. Yeah. Sure. She puts on this new show on the National Bitch Channel, NBC, and it's called Circle of Dads. Circle of Dads? Yeah. So I never yeah, heard of that Circle show. of Dads. What's this about? A circle jerk? What's going on? I mean, you know, what is it? You know, what, you know, icky, kick, icky cookie, wookie cookie, whatever it was called. I said, what the fuck is this, right? Dude, dude, I, no, I gave up half an hour into it. It was the pilot episode. No, yeah. let me take that back. I gave up into it on the second half hour. 
Because after the first 10 minutes, I said, this is fucked up. I got up and walked away. My wife was giving me the look, you know, oh, we can't sit together for 10 minutes. So I came back after, and I caught the last half hour of it. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, because I didn't hang around for the credits. I can almost guarantee you that the entire episode was written by about four to six menstruating women. <laughs> this thing was every bullshit, emotional, heartstring, um, uh, feminine bullshit you could throw into one. First of all, they have the diversity thing. So it's... Hey, man. They have a, listen to this. They have a white couple, uh -huh. like your typical, say, waspy-looking couple, and they have all these kids. One's like a uh, Hispanic girl, the other one's Asian, the other one is white. You know, it's like, so of course, and I'm, because I skipped that on the first half hour, I'm, I'm asking my wife, I said, did this guy fuck a bunch of different broads? Are they all adopted? What the fuck is going on? She's like, stop, you know. So already I know I'm in trouble. Then I find out that they throw in that this guy is dying of cancer. <laughs> what? The father. Right? He's dying of cancer. And he's hobbling around trying to find fathers who will step in for him after he dies to advise the kids, you know, like give them guidance. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a cuckold session. Yeah, or that's what I thought too. At least it'd be interesting, right? <laughs> then as the thing goes towards the end, you find out that, hey, his cancer went in remission. How do we know that? Because his wife is a nurse. And she goes, hey, we've got good news. You seem to be doing a lot better. And by the way, I'm knocked up. Because, you know, when you're dying of stage four cancer, the first thing you'd think of doing is knocking up your wife who already has three or four kids to worry about. Wow. It's like another bullshit female plot point thrown into this. And I'm sitting here going, what the fuck? You know, my wife is doing this the whole time. <laughs> this is so beautiful. It's moving. I'm like, this is horseshit. <laughs> Where's the big-titted bitch to come out here? Somebody make a joke. Do something. You're such a man. Right. So then towards the end, what happens? The wife, who's a nurse, is about to give birth. But the father has a relapse. So they have to take him into the hospital the same day that they're taking in the mother to give birth. They run into the same black doctor as soon as they walk through the doors, who, by the way, happens to be gay. <laughs> you catching all this? The father, who's dying of cancer, starts talking to the black doctor in between, mind you, him going in for his MRIs to figure out where the cancer is, and B, his wife pushing out a baby. In the 30 seconds it took him to talk to this gay black guy, he figures out this guy should be on his council of dads. And this guy's saying stereotypical gay stuff with heart, of course, Along the lines of like, but I don't know anything about raising children. I don't have any children. Blah, 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 blah. And I am telling you, I swear to you, the father gets the news that he's got like weeks to live as his wife is delivering their child. Like, if you could get six women in a room demonstrating, wow. and you ask them like, each of you write one plot point that'll make you cry during your most emotional time of the month. And six of them wrote something down? Some some guy at the National Bitch Channel, NBC, just collected those six answers and said, go, make a pilot. Wow, that's all crazy, man. I'm like, 
moonlighted this shit. And then the next thing I said is, let me call Phil, because he might be emotionally overwrought at this show, because I'm pretty sure he's watching it if he'd stop to watch <laughs> that other bitch show, This Is Us. <laughs> ah, yo, I didn't even hear this show you're talking about. Dude, look it up. This thing is the worst. Like, after that, as soon as it ended, I just looked at my wife. I said, good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out, you know. I saw watching it now. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> as soon as that shit was done, I came down to my office, and I turned on, I think, um, like Caddyshack or something, you know, just something to, like, bring some tits and laughter back into my life because I had none up with that show. Horrible piece of <laughs> Horrible. And I think NBC must have, must be going all in on just being the estrogen channel now. Yeah, like they stole it away from Oprah. What are their ratings? Maybe it's working. You know, at the end of the day, it's really about money. I hear you, but like, at what point do you sell out your nation? Oh, I don't know. Why don't you ask Agent Orange? <laughs> God damn. He was on NBC too. Oh yeah, with the apprentice. <laughs> Oh, man. I, like, I don't know about you, man, but, like, it, network television to me now is utterly worthless except for sports. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Right? Even the news is worthless. Like, occasionally, like, if there's a storm coming and I need to hear, like, when, when the hurricane is hitting or whatever, I'll turn on the local news. But, I mean. Not even. I just look at my phone. That, too. But I'm just saying, like, okay, you know, if you need water, go here or whatever, you know. But I'm saying, like, the, the, the need, if that's the right word, to watch network television is gone for me. Like, if it wasn't for the NFL games that I don't catch. But to be honest with you, you know, I spend every year, I, I buy the Red Zone. I buy the NFL Channel's Red Zone. By the way, God's gift to any football fan yeah. is the Red Zone. It's not even the Dish Channel, you know, it's not NFL Ticket. It's not Sunday Ticket. It's the yeah. Red Zone. It's the, yeah. if, you're, if you're a child of the internet, the red zone is the shit. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I, used to, I used to watch it on Reddit. Yeah, fantastic. You know? But they got rid of it, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll still buy it, you know, but it's like um, I have no use for network TV at all anymore. I really don't. Um, even, the, even if there was a sitcom here and there that I used to enjoy watching, like, I'll admit, I used to be a Big Bang Theory watcher. Me and my wife, it was the one show we could agree on. And we were like, okay, we'll watch that. Um, or even uh, the one with Charlie Sheen when it was still on. Um, uh, two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men, before they wrote him off, was was decent, you know. But other than that, I'm just like, what the, you know. And it, this just confirms it to me now. Like, that show is everything that's wrong with entertainment today. It's, it's totally bitching up everything. And I'm not saying that because I'm anti-woman. I'm saying that because I'm pro-man. And it's like, why does every man... Why is the only definition of a man that's acceptable now one where he's apologizing for everything and the more that the man in the, in the show acts like a woman, the more praised he is. I never even thought about it's that. Like, it's like the concept of toxic masculinity, which, by the way, is bullshit. It's like it's just a made-up term to further like fuck with men's heads or, or young boys' heads, I should say. Um, taken to the extreme, like every man has to be. If you're not sensitive, you're a piece of shit. If you're not 
someone who, who yearns to behave like the woman in his life, like the strong woman in his life, is a piece of shit. Uh, all these networks, every family now has to be interracial, interfaith, <laughs> intergender. Um, you know, gays make up 2% of the population, but they seem to make up 50% of any TV show you watch right now. Um, hey, they need representation, man. Yeah, look, man. My party. Yeah, we need representation, whatever you are. Look, Phil, if it's organic, I got no problem with it. It's, yeah. It's, the, it's when you... Listen, if you can't find talented enough writers to produce a script for you that includes, say, a gay man or a gay woman organically, then it has... It's like, it's like me trying to horseshoe a clown into every episode. Right, or, I got you. Or horseshoe a, a, like a Rambo veteran into everything. Yeah. You know, there's no point to it. You know, like, um, I used to work with this guy my age, so we're from the same cultural sort of background and the same uh, pop references and everything. And he was a gay man. And he was a gay man who had come out of the closet after he had been married to a woman. So he came out of the closet and said, hey, man, I'm living a lie. Like that, uh, who was the governor in Germany? Like McGreevy, Governor yeah. McGreevy. And he just said, look, man, I, he had kids from that marriage. Um, but he just said, look, man, I'm living a lie. And I was like, oh, that's, that's brave of you. You know, it's like, I don't know that I would have had, even if I knew it was true, I don't know that I would have had the bravery to do it after being married for so long. Right. But we got to know each other. We had a lot of good talks. And one of the talks I had is I said, how do you feel? And he was a, oh, that was it. He was a big comic fan. Yeah. I said, how do you feel about the shoehorning of existing characters to either come out as gay or come out as lesbian or come out as multicultural or all of a sudden Thor's a woman, you know, what? I said, how do you feel about that as a comic fan? And he looked at me straight up and he said, I fucking hate it. Yeah. He goes, he goes, we're gay. We're not aliens. We're not people with a mental disorder. He goes, really? You can't create a new comic book with a gay superhero? You can't come up with an original concept if you're at Marvel or DC? where the, the protagonist is gay and organically has to deal with gay issues, so to speak, as well as the typical comic book issues, right? Like good versus evil, whatever. You can't do that originally. Like he goes, I don't feel better if you make Thor a woman. I don't feel better if so-and-so all of a sudden comes out as gay. I forget who he was, the character he was talking about. But he goes, I don't feel any better. Create a gay character. Give them their own. And it doesn't have to be like... I fly by farting shit out of my ass. It doesn't have to be like a gay power, you know? It could be <laughs> it could be like the Superman character who just happens to be gay, you know? It doesn't have to be crazy, you know? Yeah. And he was telling me, he goes, I really think that this forced diversity in entertainment, this forced inclusion in entertainment is really doing more harm than good. Right, right, right. Because right? you're forcing it on people. You're, yeah. You're, yeah, but you're not doing it organically, right? So, like, yeah, I got you. Do you remember when the big deal was that Ellen came out? Yeah. Right? On her show? Like, Ellen, yeah. for those that don't know or are too young, Ellen DeGeneres had a sitcom way before she had a talk show, right? So, we're talking maybe 25 years ago, would you say, uh, Phil? Yeah, so I'm like, man, we all, yeah. 20, 25 years ago. And it was a big deal that on the show, Ellen's character came out as gay so the show started with her 
people just assumed she was straight, she would try to date men or whatever, and then somewhere along the progress of the show, she came out, her character came out as gay, which was fairly good because she was gay, right? And, and even though people knew it but didn't know it, she confirmed it, right? But that was a little forced to me even then. I'll tell you, though, people forget. Um, there was another sitcom in the late 70s, early 80s, and I don't know if you remember this one. It was called Soap. Oh, I remember Soap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Billy Crystal. Soap, Billy Crystal... Yeah. played a gay character. To me, that was much more organic, right? Because oh, yeah, it's hilarious. They didn't make a joke. They didn't make a joke out of the gayness itself, the homosexuality. And think about it. This was 20 years before Ellen. Yeah, and during and the 70s. During the 70s. And he was a main character as a gay man. Now, yeah, they had the gay jokes. Like, every time someone would try to rough him up, he just bat his eyelashes and say, oh, you're cute or something, and the big tough guy would get freaked out, you know. So they had those types of jokes, of course, but it was a much more organic character to me, and I loved that show. I loved watching Soap as a, as a teen. You know, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was groundbreaking. It pushed the envelope about what you could and couldn't say yeah. uh, on network TV. But that, t it seems to, I, I don't know, Phil, you tell me, I know you're a big media guy. Do you feel like that's the case now that we're here consuming all this media? Like, I'm starting to see it. Like, I always knew about it, but I'm seeing it more and more. It's almost like I'm being bombarded, especially on network TV, that everything has to be this forced diversity, forced inclusion. Uh, and every time there's a new letter added to the rainbow, every time there's a new color added to the rainbow, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it seems that there's a sitcom that has to incorporate it, or there's a drama, not so much a sitcom, but a drama that has to incorporate. Look, even we, I mentioned before um, uh, Two and a Half Met, right? So after Charlie Sheen's character was written off and they brought on Ashton Kutcher, right, which made no sense, but what was the other character they brought on? Charlie Sheen's long-lost daughter, who just happens to be a voracious lesbian. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Har a horrible character because it, it was so obvious that they needed jokes at the expense of a lesbian. And, yeah. it, and it wasn't organic or anything. She just literally showed up in one episode and said, hey, I'm Charlie's long-lost daughter. I love pussy. And here I am. Yeah. And that was it. You know, and you're like, uh, what? You know, it's like oh, yeah. <clears throat> really, really forced, you know? But right. I don't know. What do you think? I know you watch a lot of TV. You watch a lot of movies. What do you think? Yeah. Do you think this is something that's happening, or is it just me? Oh, no, no, no. It's definitely happening, and, you know, it's not even clever. You know, it's not, you know, you brought up the uh, example of Soap and Billy Crystal's character. I remember half the time I forgot that he was gay because yeah. he was just funny. Right. You know? Um, but, yeah, but now it's, like, so in your face, and, you know, it's like you just want to appease everybody. And I get it because, you know, you want to make money, advertising, whatever. Right. But it's like... It's just like you're lazy. It's just like Hollywood where they're just using known brands. It's nothing new anymore. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like laziness. You know, the writing isn't clever enough and right. you just want to hit the hard strings and that's and that's easy to do. You know, like the example that you gave of Circle of Dads, right? Where you have like all these like different situations and whatever. And you know what? If I watched it, that might get me at first, but then I'm like yeah, this is like way too convenient. It's lazy. It's too convenient. Right. You know what I mean? 
Um, I don't know. It's like I hate that blatant, like, you know, trying to hit the emotions and, you know, clubbing you over the head with like, oh, here's a gay guy. He's a lesbian guy. It's like, why do you have to be known as that? You know, it's like your gay friend, like what he said. It's like, you just be, you know, we're, we're gay. We're not aliens. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's just like, you know, let me be an Asian guy, but I don't have to do Kung Fu. Right, right. <laughs> you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I have other emotions. That's why with like um, Crazy Rich Asians and all these other like, you know, Parasite and all this other stuff, it's just good storytelling. You know what I'm saying? That's why they became so popular. Right. And like just showing that representation uh, for Asians is like, it's a good thing if you ask me because the only thing that we had that was cool back in there is Bruce Lee. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then, because of that, everyone—I swear to God—everyone asked me, "Oh, you know karate?" Right, like, then right, asked the right question. It's not—he didn't do karate; he did kung fu. Actually, you know, he didn't even do kung fu; he did jikundo. But you know, it's just like, oh my God, seriously! Um, like now, you know, with Asian cinema, they're showing them like like regular. They're just regular people, right. and you know, the Asianness has nothing to do with the story. You know what I mean? Right. But you know, that's the, to be fair, I'll say this: um, that type of racial stereotyping, say for major targeted groups, has always been there. Like, look, let's be honest: Italian actors. What's the first thing that pops in your mind? Gangsters, mafia. That's all they play. Now, now we know that's not true, right? Of course. But De Niro, Pacino, even Pesci, to to a large extent. I'm not going to say totally, because he was in. Um, Home Alone. Home Alone, my cousin Vinny, right? So he, he really isn't as much. But when you think of De Niro, think of even in Analyze This and Analyze That, which was a comedy, what did he play? He played a goofy mobster. It was still a mobster. Pacino, almost almost everything, even not everything, but almost everything, especially early in his career, involved some sort of criminal, some sort of gangster, right? Godfather, right. Yeah, the Godfather and uh, Casino for... Scarface. You know, Scarface, everything, right? So Italians, especially for a long time, had that racial stereotype, and it was always a balancing act, right? Like, hey, we want representation. So in The Godfather, every Italian is a goddamn murderer, but you might find two or three that were actually good. Right, right. right. Or like any the old Eddie Murphy joke when Rocky came out. Right. <laughs> Rocky Yeah, and then look at look at black guys and, and, and African American people in in cinema especially. They were always buffoons. Right. Right? Uh, that old joke, right? If you were a black comedian who had made it, whether it was Flip Wilson, Eddie Murphy, any what did the writers always ask them to do? Dave Chappelle has a great um uh bit about this, but why is it that every funny black actor was asked to wear a dress? Yeah. Why? You couldn't right. find, a, like, another Milton Berle to do it, you know, who was always in the dress, you know, like, on, on his comedy? Like, but if you think about it, you know, it becomes something that's ingrained. And, like, I started to ask myself, like, like you know, I've written uh, a couple of series. I know you're a writer of sorts. And I got to tell you, man, when I wrote one of my first series, you, you're aware which one, right? We never, it never got produced, but we wrote it. One of the main characters was a, was a black guy. Yeah. And towards the end, we had him in a dress. 
and I had to reevaluate myself a little bit. And I said, am I doing it because he's black or is it because the character, it's a, it's a shockingly funny moment when this character, we didn't have him in a dress. We had him in ladies' undergarments, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He was a cross-dresser. So, but, and I remember I was on the set and, and we were shooting and uh, one of the extras came up to me who was black and said, yo, man, what the fuck? Why does everybody have to, why does every black man have to be in a dress? And it kind of like, my first reaction was, go fuck yourself. You know, I'm the writer, go fuck yourself. I wrote your part, I can write you out, you know, if you don't like it. That was my first reaction, to be honest with you. But then I looked at it some more and I said, wait a second, did I do it for some like unconscious reason or was it actually funny, you know? Yeah. And after a lot of soul searching, I, I decided to leave it in because I thought it was funny. Yeah. And I had asked, some other African-American actors on the set, I said, you you tell me, is this demeaning? Do I have to change it somehow? Because my thing was, uh, the reveal of him being a cross-dresser was in contrast to his image as a hardcore rapper. Right. Right? Another way to go would have been to make him like that they somehow find out that he's a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah. That the whole gangster tough guy was completely fake. And that he had no real credibility because he was this like meek nerd, right? right that was right. another way to go. So I, I, I literally took a straw poll and we shot it both ways. Like one was him opening his shirt to reveal a bra, and the other one was dropping some papers to find out that he was writing a paper on black holes or something, you know. So I gotta be black holes. I gotta be black holes. Racist shit, you know, but. And most of the actors who were African-American said, no, it's funnier if he reveals the, the undergarments. So I kind of felt a little bit better. But I even caught myself saying, damn, I, I ended up putting a black man in a dress again. You know, not that I'm a, a huge comedy writer or anything like that, but it was just something that when it was brought to my attention, I suddenly became aware of it. Yeah. So I don't know it. Like, is there a conspiracy to always put a black man in a dress or make all Asians masters of the martial arts or all Irishmen drunkards? Or, you know, it's like, you know, that old tropism is all stereotypes are based in truth, right? Oh, yeah. To some extent. Right. So, you know, why are all Italians portrayed as ma mafia? Well, the mafia back in the day was all Italians, right? So... You're going to use it whenever you do a show about the mafia. You're going to have Italians being portrayed. Now it'll be different because you've got Russian mobs and you know, oh, yeah. whatever other mobs, Asian mobs, whatever. But back then it was, and that's where that stereotype came from. Not you know whether it was overplayed or not is I guess open for debate. But um, but yeah, it's very interesting that even how you consume entertainment media all of a sudden comes under scrutiny. You know? Yeah, I hear you, man. And I'm glad that you, like, actually thought about it, you know, because, like, some people would just, like, wave it away, like, oh, fuck it, yeah. you know, but I think sometimes you need to be conscious of, like, you know, what, what you're writing and what the message might be. Of course, now with comedy, it's like, who gives a fuck, <laughs> right? I like, it's, it's an attempt at humor, you know, whether it's funny or not is, you know, it's not up to you, yeah. it's up to whoever sees it or hears it, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. You think it's funny. I mean, you have to try. Right, exactly. Well, you know, our, our, one of the, I know, guys that you and I both looked up to in terms of the a performer, Patrice O'Neill. Oh, yeah. He said, 
um, the birth of funny and unfunny is the same process. Yeah, that's true. Like a comedian, a writer never knows how their work is going to be accepted until it's actually written out or it's actually performed or it's actually said. Like something I think is hilarious in my head, the second it falls out of my mouth and I get these looks of, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, it's like, I'm not going to know till I say it. Right. Like, I don't start out saying, I'm going to say a fucked up joke to get people pissed. I don't start out like that. Right. Um, and sometimes, you know this too as a comedy writer, you say something or you write something, you think it's a dud, and the next thing you know, people are rolling on the floor. Yeah. So you got to give it, like you said, you got to give it a shot. And you know what's always been ironic to me? That, first of all, let me preface this by saying, say whatever the fuck you want. I'm a huge First Amendment supporter. So I don't care if you say something in comedy, drama, action, whatever the fuck. I don't care. Poetry, literature, say whatever you want. Offend whoever you want. I don't care. Right? So having said that, though, I always found it hilarious that the people who get professionally offended at entertainment always seem to get more offended at comedy than at drama. Like, it always struck me as funny that, like you said, like, if it's a comedy or attempted comedy, isn't the assumption that this is bullshit and over the top and meant to be uh, egregious in its in its assumptions and its deliveries, right? Whereas it would seem to me that it's, if you objected to anything, maybe it would be a portrayal in what's intended to be a serious piece, right? Like, I'd be more concerned about a drama where the Asians, to your point, always use Kung Fu. Right. That to me is a more horrible stereotype than, say, the comedy of an old Chinese restaurant worker who thwarts a crime by doing some Yoda martial arts bullshit. And you laugh at that because you, we know it's an exaggeration. It's a, it's comedy, so we know it's an exaggeration. Right? Like, do I think that Dave Chappelle walked up to his son and said, "Dude, you used to live in my balls, man"? It's like, <laughs> no. But I get what he's trying to say, that he, he's, he's, he's awestruck at this creature that looks like him and talks like him that at one point literally was the product of his, of his scrotum, right? If you think about it. It's a hilarious line. I can't tell you how many people I saw react poorly to that, that saying like, oh, why would he say that to his child? I'm like, motherfucker, it's a joke. Why are you focused on him doing that? I'd be more upset, not that I am. But I'd be more upset at some of this reality TV, like there's that TV show, what's it like? My wife watches all these, by the way. It's called uh, I Am Jasmine or something like that. It's like a reality show about a kid who started transitioning some sort of weird gender change at like 10 or 13. That's way too early. Like an age where no child has any sort of sense of who they are, what they want to be. They, They don't understand what's going on with all the hormones ranging around them. And yet here's a TV show actively and aggressively pushing this kid and supporting this kid to go from male to female. And I'm talking like hormone therapy, everything. It's not just a cross-dressing kid who might think he's gay. This was a kid who says, I want to be a woman. So yeah, uh, destroy my ability to sire children. Destroy this, destroy that. And wouldn't you be either more proud or more upset at that if you were a supporter or an antagonist, right? Then in a comedy where someone goes, oh, goodness, you know, or something like that, right? We know it's an exaggeration. Why people got a lisp, man? 
No, but that's what I'm saying, right? That's that's yeah. what comedy does, right? It's an over exaggeration of a point you're trying to make. Whereas, <clears throat> so I can never be upset at a comedy because yeah. it's a comedy. You know what I mean? To your point, right? But like the dramas and shit, like the supposedly. Um, uh, because now's the time to address this type of thing, you know. It's like really that that you don't get upset about. That yeah. that you don't get upset about, but you get upset at, at comedy at stand up comedians. Right. Like when you know when Tosh made that rape joke. Oh yeah. Right. Like like she was bitching about his act, and he just said, "Wouldn't it be funny if she got raped as soon as she left this room?" Like really, you you really think the guy would think it'd be funny? Like, why did he, and I mean, good for him, he didn't back down. You know, he was like, it was a joke, go fuck yourselves. And I, and good for him, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, I don't know, man. I don't know, man, this quarantine is driving me crazy with our own media. <laughs> hey, man, just keep up the good fight, man. Keep watching. <laughs> Amen. Uh, all right, man, so listen, anything else you want to throw out there, Phil? No, you spoke a damn lot. So. I did. I'm I'm out of breath. I need I need you to talk for two seconds so I can enjoy a beverage, you know? Uh yeah. No, I'm good. I, I basically agree with everything that you said. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not and I'm I'm not saying that like I'm a uh Trump supporter where I just agree with everything that he right. said. You know what I'm saying? Well, do you also agree that you're a bitch for enjoying this as us? Oh uh, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, right. You know? I, Listen, man, it's like, you know... Right, next time, can you write bitch across your face mask? No, I ain't going that far. <laughs> I ain't going that far. You know what I'm saying? So. All right, brother. Let's do this again soon. Let's get another episode out for the fans, however many we may have. Until then, this has been your host, Big John. And I'm Phil. All the way forever. All the way forever, buddy. Peace. Uh-huh.